again thank you to everyone who's kept up with the podcast so far you're listening to safe spaces my name is chrissy and you might have noticed i'm sort of taking this in my stride and trying to keep up with my thoughts on this one if you're worried that i haven't taken out the time to introduce every single episode well like i said these are conversations that are expected to speak for themselves Besides, I think you get enough of me speaking during the actual conversation, so I try to skip that. Anyway, so we're on to episode four, and I have to say this this seems to be moving smoother than I thought. You might notice also that I haven't put a time frame to each episode yet in between episodes, but that's fine. I, I like to let things happen organically. Well, so now it's episode four. What I decided to do is, while I was talking to my first guest, in episode one, something came up. The issue of being well and what exactly it means. And I asked her, well, I also asked one of the doctors and you will listen to his response in this part of episode four, the very first part of episode four. Of course, we'll still have more conversations around this, but like I like to say, take it one day at a time, one step at a time. I would like to say a big thank you at this point to everyone who's listened to the podcast, who shared the link, And especially to people who have gotten back to me, I got a voice note. Very happy. I was very happy about that. Um, Also, I'd be more than happy if you could reach out to me on Facebook or Twitter. On Twitter, it's at Chrissy Pearly. So that's at K-R-I-S-S-Y-P-E-A-R-L-I-E. At Chrissy Pearly. On Facebook, there's a page dedicated to Safe Spaces. It's a Facebook page that uh, you can find easily at Safe Talks 2. And it's it's still very virgin, but yeah, I'd be more than happy for you to like it and to follow just in case, because I plan to keep all of the updates, to post the updates up there as often as I can. Um, I'll, I'll give you other means of staying in touch as well, but let's get into this episode. If you've noticed, I'm not really doing a lot of the intros, and it's not because I don't want to, but it's... Okay, well, that too, but um, I think you get enough of me talking during the actual parts of each episode. And I I think me just talking at the start or at the end is unnecessary, to be honest. But we'll see how that goes as well. All right, on with it. Safe spaces. What does it mean to be well? What does it mean to be normal? Please let me know what you think. And I'd be more than happy to share it on the podcast. Let's go. Oh, by the way, I'd like to, at this point, give credit to my little cousin. Well, not so little anymore, to be honest. He plays guitar far better than I do now. And he's generously offered to do original riffs for the podcast. We don't want to be running into any intellectual property troubles now or any time in the future. So big ups to Caleb Ayinzat. Thank you very much for learning to play the guitar so well. And thank you for being there when I needed that. All right. On with it. Safe Spaces. Hello, it's Melda and you're listening to Safe Spaces. <laughs> no, but no, but no, but it's true. I mean, what does it mean to be? What does it mean to be well? For you, you, what does what does it mean when you say you're well? Like really, honestly, me, say you're well. Honestly, for me, that state of just living normal life, just being normal without uh, thinking that I need any substance to be normal. For example. Um, initially, if I don't, if I don't pick, if I don't take center, for example, yeah, I won't want to 
You want to what? To eat. Eat. Like. Oh, it gives eat, you an yes. appetite. It gives me an appetite. It makes me want to. It makes me enjoy it's funny. It's funny. the idea of food. Mm. But it's funny you would say that. Yeah. I know people who... It's quite the opposite. The okay, opposite. Depending on... Yeah, depending on what exactly this is they're abusing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For some people, mm -hmm. it's the opposite. They don't... They eat less. Yeah, yeah. They eat less. Even me, I eat less. But I... It's like how it's like this thing must I must take this thing, you know. So the, taking it gives me that joy, that mm. that it's, go ahead to live my normal life. It's like I depend on it to to do other things. If I want to mm. go out, I want to take it just because it makes it will make me feel good. So again, we were trying. First of all, we're trying to define what is well. So now, what is mm -hmm. what is good? Mm. Okay, so here's mm. the thing. So, so, so here's mm. the thing. Um, it, it, I think like with most things, it gets to a point of diminishing returns. You know that thing in economics. Mm. When something goes up, 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 it will get to a point that up, it's up, up, the up. highest, and then it, it's a curve, oh, yeah. and then it starts coming down. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. it's almost the same. It, it starts to the value starts to be whatever it is starts to. You know, go negative. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then you take it, and you're not. You don't look. Feel I'm, good I'm, I, I don't even. I don't. Look, the truth is, um, I won't lie. Like my thing was alcohol. My, my alcohol wasn't. It wasn't the t obviously wasn't the taste of it. Mm. it tastes like shit, mm -hmm. especially if you want to just <laughs> knock yourself out. Um, yeah, but it, it was. It was. I think for me, it was more about. The, Deal. So I wasn't. We're, no, we're not sitting down mm -hmm. and having glasses of, you know, two glasses of mm -hmm. wine. Or mm -hmm. we're, we're chugging. So, mm -hmm. um, but but mm -hmm. it wasn't good for me because I didn't have. I don't have. How do I explain this? I very often just like a curve. Find myself swinging. Am I either okay? Not like very low or very high. Mm -hmm. Like even mm -hmm. as an individual, people say I'm mm -hmm. bubbly. I'm you know, like calm down. You talk to yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I, I, <laughs> I'm either like that or I'm totally withdrawn. The very, very. Okay. It's not very often you will catch me in between. I can be a very. Uh, so, yeah. Hello, I am Godwin Asuko. You're listening to Safe Spaces. Like you like to say to me, relax. Mm. It's just us having a conversation. And this is because I was talking to Bill. And I, I don't know what led to that, but then at some point, at some point we got to the issue of, she kept saying something, I feel, okay, when I said I feel well, or she said she feels well. And then at some point I had to ask her, so I said, but for you, what does it mean to be well? And she says to me, being well is being able to go about my day without needing any you know, any support from any substances or anything and I can just I can just live my life is what she said or something like that. I was like, okay. And then at some point while she, while she was trying to explain what it means to be well, she said, I can just be normal. So I had to ask her again, we've gone from what is well to what is normal. So I think it, it's safe to ask somebody who's who deals with these things. So I'll ask you. I'll just leave this here. Okay. I'll ask you the same question. Mm. So what does it mean to be well? Okay. Psychologically, obviously, not physically. Okay. 
um, psychological well-being entails um, your thought process, your um, emotional state. You are in control of your emotional state, your psychological state, and then even, in control. Yeah, in control. When I mean control, is that you you determine how you you think. That's when the thought comes. The ones you can block, you block. The ones you challenge, you challenge. The ones you accept, you accept. So you are in so control. You're able, yeah, yeah, you could do that. That's a well-being and a well-being individual thought process. Same thing with emotional, emotional well-being too. You have to be emotionally intelligent. You have to know that when you are angry, what you need not to do, what you need to do, how you need to control it. So that, a lot of it has to do with control. Yeah. That's your well-being, and once you have that, then you have a Your psychological, yeah, a psychological well-being. So I was going to ask because she, somewhere in that, for her, in defining what it means to be well, she also said just being normal. Yeah. Is is there any such thing? I mean, for you, what does it mean to be quote unquote normal? Normal could be subjective. It could be objective. For you, which is yeah. why I'm, I'm not looking yeah. for a textbook explanation. I'm, I'm saying so for you. Normal for me is um, anybody that is functioning uh, functioning optimally, both psychologically, and then um, once you are functioning optimally, and then uh, functionally uh, function, functioning psychologically, you are a normal human being. Can you uh, break that down? If you had to explain to a five year old, how would you say? It? Psychologically um, functioning, you could think well. Feel the way well. you explain, yeah, you're in control uh, of your... Very good. When you that, once you are functioning optimally, you are a normal human being. It doesn't mean that you have no disease. It doesn't mean that you don't have um, uh, um, maybe physiological um, problems. Uh huh. But in with that those challenges, you still could function. function. That's function properly. You're functional. Yeah, you are normal. So that's why I say it's both um, subjective and, and um, objective. objective. From the objective point of view, it is what the society says is normal. Trying to define because you cannot define from the subjective or objective. When what society says is objective. How is what society says objective? Yes, because um, objective is looking from other views. Of people, subjective is from your own point of view. Oh, but you, but I could put it another way. If you mm. say it's from society, I would say it's probably subjective because society is society here is not the same as society somewhere. And that's, that's why I'm saying, when you're looking at society, subjectivity with societies from different society, that's a different thing altogether. What I'm talking about is that when you're talking about normal, norm, um, normal. Um, normality, you have to look at the cultural background. Yes, there are cultural, there are um, um, there is family norms, there are, you have um, your belief system, that when you're talking about culture, it talks about belief So basically system. being normal is fitting in? Uh, not fitting in, but trying to fit in. Because when you say fitting, fitting in, fitting in um, yes, it could be that way. Because the truth about it is that uh, if you are in a society that dress 
with uh, trousers on and then you come in with skirts just like in the skirt um now they said the society looks at their hair the society deems you yes very good so there is a uh, when it comes to subjectivity um objectivity it tends to do with some conformity it takes a normal human being to be able to adjust and conform and adjust with to fit in yes an abnormal person will not fit in and blend in so being being so being well is different from being normal how a normal being well being psychologically well psychologically well the well-being is it the same thing as being normal uh being normal is almost the same thing it's just like semantics but it all who is defining can bring in some things but the well-being of an individual is both in your thinking cognition and emotions how you you are sound to manage situations when you are there and it's also your own um uh, normal if you you define it as being normal and it doesn't tally with the society then it means you are just Sorry. subject uh, so the abnormality um, it means i'm just i really want you to finish that if if i define something as being normal and mm, it doesn't fit into the society, the society where i belong then it means then there it is, means there's, there's something a problem is wrong. yeah there's a problem okay because you your wellness gives you objectivity to see that All sides uh, of- and then you take a rational decision on what steps you it you what steps you will take so without that is abnormality in you because you are not adjustable because there's nothing so you minimize conflict very good that's the emotional intelligence that i was talking about the wellness yeah. so once you can you don't function and being sensitive to other people's plight and other people's this there's no wellness in you psychological so once you're deficient in any then normality is shaky. shaky thank you It sounds like it sounds like uh, we could go on with that. It sounds like a conversation that can continue but that will do. Thank you. I'm Emmanuel. Hello, I'm Rose. I'm Victor. Hello, I'm Miriam and you're listening to Welcome back to Podcast Recovery, everyone. We're your hosts, David O. And Eric B. Today we're joined by our special guest, Chrissy. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine, thank you. Um, Great. You mean, like, when, you know, when people ask, how are you doing? I'm wondering if you mean, you know, you're being courteous, how are you doing? Or you mean, how are you doing, how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, where are you from, Chrissy? Yeah. I'm from Nigeria. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, and uh, how long have you been in recovery? You know, honestly, it's a little hard to say. I, I, I would say officially for me. Um, I, I think the journey started in 2016, but I think for me, officially, and, and you know, 
consciously making the effort and, and knowing it's a priority. That would be about four, five months ago, maybe. Okay. All right. Well, with all that out of the way, to share your story with us, so take it away. Yeah, okay, so um, I don't think it's a super spectacular story. I'm sure anyone, I'm sure lots of people my age or older or younger, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult, go to school, meet people, learn new things, good and bad. <laughs> I, I think I got into the habit of drinking when I was when, when I first, not when I first went to university, but then after a while, being in the university. And of course, back then it was just for fun, like it is for most people. Uh, but then I left school, the series of events in school, and I had to graduate one year late, long story. But I, I left school and then, of course, got into the job market. At some point, my first real job, the first real job I got was radio. So I worked for a radio station in Abuja, which is the capital of Nigeria. Uh-huh. And it was it was great. It was fine. I mean, up until up until that point, there was no you know it, there were no issues as far as that was concerned. So I I had to move jobs, not literally move jobs, but then I had to do something new. It was still broadcasting, but then it was different. It was talk radio. That that was something relatively new. It wasn't something that was very popular at the time. Uh-huh. Uh, so I moved to Lagos which is a commercial capital. <laughs> yes, sort of changed. It was different lifestyle, different environment, different requirements, um, more pressure at work. It was fun, but then it was also, it was almost like a black hole. It felt like it was talking you in your whole life. It centered around it. So yes. For me, at some point, I think drinking became a way to cope with the extra, extra workload or extra emotional or whatever it is, mental pressure from work. Uh-huh. Uh, also, because I didn't, I wasn't, you know, it, it, I lived in Lagos sometime in the past, but then I wasn't very familiar with the town. And it's totally different working from Abuja, very busy, very, lots of traffic. It's not the kind of town where you, where you just wake up and say you want to. You know, let me go pay someone a visit on the mainland. So I'll be back to the island. Doesn't really work like that. So, um, so yeah, it was part of my compassion. Because I I realized just talking about recently that um, I, I think it sort of I sort of made it a reward for work. So I would work, 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 and then reward myself with a drink. It seems mm-hmm. like it, you know, it seems harmless. It seems it didn't seem so bad. <laughs> Um, and then I had to go back because I, I wasn't very, I knew I didn't want to work in Lagos. Lagos is way too fast for me. I mean, I loved the town, I grew up there, but wanted to go back to Abuja. So I eventually went back to Abuja on the same job, um, cause we had to start a new station in Abuja. For some reason, uh, this, it had sort of, this had sort of migrated with me, you know, the habit has migrated with me, of course. Uh, in the midst of all of this random moving suddenly and changing location, you know, I had all of these emotional and mental issues <laughs> I was dealing with. Apparently, I was becoming depressed. 
um, and the alcohol seems to be, in the short term, at least, it seems to be a solution. And then usually it's hard to find the tipping point, so you just, you don't find out until you're on the other side. But yes, so where, where was I? I, I? I went back to Abuja. This was two years after I went, I'd been in Lagos. But sometime around 2013, 2012, 2013, I was back in Abuja and back to work. Again, like I said, my, my whole life was centered around work. I lived within the premises. All I did was, you know, all the only times we went out was usually just to, you know, go shopping or wasn't, yeah. Um, and then I realized at that point, at some point, that I was barely keeping up. <laughs> Like, I would, at first it was okay because you, when it first started, it wasn't a problem because I would still wake up in the morning. I mean, I'd been working all day, uh, probably, you know, drank myself to sleep the night before. I had to be up at about four or five o'clock in the morning. And it was still doable. It, it didn't feel, it, it didn't feel like it was taking me too. To be honest. So yeah, sometimes you wake up and you're a little tired and you know you should be a little more light because you just slept. But yeah, it didn't seem like too much. It wasn't in my face. But by the time I got back to work in Abuja and then the elections were coming towards 2000, the elections were in 2015. So sometime in 2014-ish, work gets very intense. <laughs> so for me, that was just extra drama. I did not need, for some, for some reason, I, you know, it's not sustainable. It gets to that uh-huh. point where it diminishes. So, yeah, so at some point I had to leave work. Um, came back home in 2016. Uh, my, my family thought it wise to take me to the rehab. Uh, yeah, of course I was kicking and screaming. I was not like I was happy. I happily went anywhere with anybody. I, I thought it was a little just thinking about it now, I think. I think it was fair. I think it was sensible. Hmm. So, yeah. Um, so that was 2000. But because of the, because of the way I, I, I found myself in that situation in rehab, uh, because I was, you know, I, it wasn't, it wasn't, I didn't have a choice in the matter. It was, you know, um, I was, of course, rebellious towards the, the general attitude was rebellious. Um, so I didn't, I, of course, I knew it was the sensible thing to do, but I didn't feel very invested in it, if that makes any sense. I know it sounds a little stupid, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. But then sometime, sometime towards the end of last year, I realized as I was noticing new or rather old patterns, I was like, okay. Why, why does this place mean so familiar? I'm like, no. So I got to start to notice that you're hurting relationships. You know, it's not sustainable. And so I got to the point where I said, you know what, look, <laughs> let's do this again. Let's try this again. So yeah, this is just me. Recovery for me is really just me taking responsibility for my life or trying to, really, at the end of the day. You know, the, the cycle is not is not sustainable. Yeah. It's not. And it's a waste of good time. Yeah. So long and short, that's it. That's it. It's, of course, it's a brief version of 
Yeah. All right. Well, we definitely have some questions yeah. for you. So, how did alcohol overall like affect your overall mental health? Well, first of all, this yeah, first it seems like it it seems like the opposite of depression. Um, you know, you're up and up, you're hyper, you're you know, you think you're gleeful and happy, and but yeah, you, you get like I said, it's it's like a curve. <laughs> You get to the point where you really, honestly, just come back down and into the negative. So, yeah, I was pretty depressed. Um, been doing my antidepressant, so I'm fine. I don't feel as depressed as I was in 2016. In 2016, now that I think about it, I was clearly not. I was clearly not in a very happy place. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so what have you found to work positively to um, really help your recovery? Well, I, I think the first thing is um, changing. For one thing, I'm more consistent with, you know, my, my exercise routine. It's not like super intense, but it's been very consistent mm-hmm. this year. Mm. All right. Um, so what are some of the uh, challenges you faced in finding the right kind of uh, care or support systems for your recovery? Because like in, in America, we have, we have lots of different support systems and I just don't know uh, like what level of support mm-hmm. systems you, you guys have there. So like, what sort of things do you have in place and have you found to really uh, help you um, further further your, your recovery? Okay, so for like you guys, you people have like Alcoholics Anonymous and all of those mm-hmm. very specific um, support groups. We don't have as much of that here, at least not that I am aware of. Um, yeah. And even back in 2016, when I went to the facility, I was taken aback that, you know, we had people, we had everything from schizophrenics and, and you know, bipolar clients, you know, to, to people. I just felt like it was very, it was modeled up with different uh-huh. people with different problems, but receiving very similar, I mean, at least apart from their medication, perhaps you know, just receiving the same general care. So I, I'm not sure if that's how it's supposed to work, but yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but, but talking about the last few months, what I can say is I'm grateful for the, I, I'm grateful for the general support that, so for instance, I, I would say that a couple of months ago, I went, uh, I was at the bar somewhere here in Joseph. This was sometime last year. And, I ran, apparently I'd run into a doctor. Now he's not a psychiatrist himself, but then he belongs to the medical union and he took my number and all he wanted to say to me was, are you sure you don't, are you sure you don't need some help? So you get that kind of informal report generally to switch back to something about being Nigerian. Um, mm-hmm. 
But also, because I stayed in touch with the doctors from the facility, um, mm-hmm. it was very easy for me. I, I could get back. Again, it was a little informal between 2016 and now. It was very informal. Just, hey, how are you doing? What's going on? need to talk to someone. It wasn't anything... It wasn't anything structured or intense or paid for. But then I realized, mm-hmm. look, if you're going to do this, just do it. And since it didn't seem to be getting better, uh, I turned to a super thrilled about, about that. Mm. I, started off seeing, I started off seeing them once a week. Now I see uh-huh. them once every other week. So... Yeah, so far so good to be honest. It's just I think it's just nice to have somebody who holds you accountable to yourself, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And somebody yeah. who just reminds you that this is a commitment you've made and this is a, this is something you're paying for, so get the most of it, you know? Yeah. And yeah, they've been they've been great so far. It helps. Mm-hmm. Good. That's awesome. All right. Um hmm. what else could I ask? Um, have you noticed, are there any, like, what happened to David? What? What happened to David? This is David. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was Eric. Okay. Okay. What? I'm with you. You're good. Um, so, um, hmm. Are, are there any, like, social <laughs> stigmas that, uh, like in your country around uh, alcoholism or mental health that are not necessarily like accurate? Like do people have, um, do people not like fully understand like what, like the, the, the process of recovery? Yeah. 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 Yes, of course. I, I mean, Mm-hmm. I'm not even talking about serious stigma, like, you know, workplace stigma. I'm talking just just community. And yeah. it, it's like, it's always like that. You know, bipolar, schizophrenic. Nobody understands any of that. <laughs> okay, let me not say nobody understands any of that. Of course, mm-hmm. more educated, more enlightened, more educated, I think, exposed um, um, portion of Nigerians. So I think that even within that group, Tons of people don't fully, because for me, that was the first time I came up close and personal with this, you know, person who was diagnosed with schizophrenia or a person who was bipolar. I I had never really one-on-one witnessed or experienced that. So I'm the minority because it's not cheap to, you know, rehab is not something that's affordable for people, everybody who needs it here. Yeah. Yes, of course, Absolutely. a lot of people don't understand these things, and it's we're sometimes very quick to attribute things to everything to the spiritual. So you can imagine how that goes. Or sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes they'll say the person is retarded, or the person is possessed, yeah. or the person—it could be anything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, of course it's hard. And then with alcohol, it's even <laughs> with alcohol, it gets interesting. Now, yeah. alcohol is. Um, because it's legal. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, hmm. Have you used spirituality at all in your recovery? And how have you used it to uh, help you in any way? 
Uh, well, I think I think the whole idea of faith helps. It means you know already that's you stepping on a positive note. Uh, but spirituality, though, it's very interesting that while we were, it's a, we call it the center. While we're at the center, the facility. Mm-hmm. Um, so some people talked about being taken to malams or being taken to certain, you know, other, you know, traditional religions and stuff. Also believe that mm-hmm. you know if a person has issues with that, they have their way of dealing with it. <laughs> so. You know, people talk about spirituality. I don't know if I am qualified to talk about other people's experiences with with that, but I will say for me, it works to just always start out on that positive note of knowing that, you know, all of this will make meaning and that it's not something designed to kill you. I think yeah. that, that basically, in a nutshell, it works for me. <laughs> awesome. Perfect. Yeah. Um. Have you gotten to have, because with, with a lot of recovery, it's very uh, fellowship based. So like you really get to rely on other people and kind of recover together. So have you been able to uh, like work with any like groups of people or fellowships? And have you like been able to like share in your recovery with other people or have you been predominantly like doing it alone? Okay, so my the, my first thoughts when I was leaving the center in 2016 was, uh-huh. you know, at that at that point I I I was somewhat emotionally invested in the place and the people I had met. Um, so I, I'd asked. They said, "Oh no, we have these meetings. Um, I think monthly meetings or something." But it's very supervised. Very, it's a very, you know, it's the way they described it to me seemed like a very close setting. Very much like being you know, at the center again. I was like, no, thank you. Um, But what I did do was, what I did do was I stayed in touch with all of the people from that time. So um, Eric knows I have a podcast, a pet project I I, I put up some time ago on Anchor. Um, Mm -hmm. First bits of that, first bits of the series is talking about that time and talking about 2016 and talking to one or two of the people from then uh, talking to the doctors and stuff, and then I move on to other things. But that, I'm saying that's how invested for me. That I think my own way of staying in touch and having a small community, because I'm I'm in touch with, I I guess almost ten of them. Maybe uh-huh. we don't talk very frequently, but then um, we share our experiences. We we talk to each other when we just need someone to talk to or somebody who will understand. So yeah, I, I guess in a sense, we, so we have that. Um, of course, I w- with some people more than others, but I'm, I'm uh, fine with that. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. Awesome. All right. Um, all right. I kind of have a, a, a fun question for you. Uh, okay. I, I ask every, all, all of our international speakers this just because I'm, I'm curious. So what is something uh, funny or weird that you find about Americans? About America? I think, hmm, I've never really thought about it, but, you know, there, there's plenty of little random moments that are funny, but to really think mm-hmm. about it, what's that one thing? Uh, 
I, I think America is just proof that that um, the concept of freedom is limitless and it's not an easy thing to resolve. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, and that's why there will always be conflict. As far as you, as far as you can imagine, freedom is as far as it goes for the next person, and it's their choice. So that's at some point it becomes a little tricky. Mm-hmm. America has proof of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, uh, I got a couple more questions for you. Um, uh, what are your what is what, what's like your ultimate goal in recovery? At least like right now. Like I know Eric's a a, a big uh, supporter of like a five year plan. So like what five what sort plan. of yeah. So what sort of goals do you have in recovery that you want to achieve? And um, basically, what's where's where's like the finish? Sorry, I didn't get that last piece. Where is or? I didn't get that very last bit. It was breaking up. Can you hear me? Hello? Yes, I can Hello? hear you. Hello? Okay. I can I'm hear just you saying, now. Uh, what, what direction are you aiming in your recovery and what goals would you like to achieve? Well, for starters, every time, and I was very, I, you know, something very embarrassing happened the other day on Twitter, but every time I see people in recovery or people who have, you know, probably beaten recovery, they, oh, this is, this is my 30th year sober. (laughs) In my mind, I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm like, okay, my goal for recovery is to not have to think about it. I, I want to get to the point where it's not so much of a problem that I actually have to think about it. And celebrate the fact that I spent 30 years without drinking. I don't know if that makes any sense. Because yeah. that mean, that would mean that it's not a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just, right. just to go back to default settings, I, I guess. <laughs> when it wasn't a problem. Yeah. No, yeah. I totally understand. Um, yeah. And... Puppy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My... Uh, Last question I have for you mm-hmm. is, uh, what are, uh, what are some obstacles? What, what are like some of the biggest obstacles that you've, uh, overtaken and, uh, conquered in recovery to, to be where you are today? Uh, I would say the biggest one is, just listening to my rational self to stop them, um, to stop justifying things I know should not be justified. It's just winning over myself. So I think that was, I think that was the beginning of, of anything changing, you know, yeah. like I said at the start, I, I'm, I'm not one to say, uh, Oh, I'm there. Or, you know, I've been a hundred, but then I see small yeah. things every day that tell me that, okay, something is, something good is changing or something good is happening. Um, so, yeah, I, I think for me, the biggest thing was getting to the point where it wasn't, I'm doing this because, you know, someone else or some, you know, because of some influence. No, I'm doing this because I've, I've reasoned it out with myself. And if I'm being honest with myself, I need to do this. You know, 
that I think that was for me the biggest thing because it, it, I'm I'm the kind of person who can who will at least attempt to justify <laughs> to justify I will make a good attempt. Um, yeah. But yeah, I had to come to that point. Maybe it's part of growing up. I, I had I had to come to woke up one morning or it was one evening. I, actually, I'd been drinking and something happened. I don't even remember what it was now. Um, yeah. And I realized, look, this. This won't work. This it won't work. Yeah, yeah. That's too All much right. to do. Yeah, yeah. I I understand. Um, and actually, I I one more question popped up into my head. So this will be my last question. How how important is gratitude and and being and keeping a mindset of being grateful for your recovery? How important of that is that mindset moving forward? But isn't that a part of faith? Mm-hmm. That for every little, for every little success you celebrate in your mind, or you know, celebrate somehow. That for me, it starts in the morning. Really, <laughs> I yep. wake up like I, I said this. I said this to my friend last time. I was like, wake up in the morning and birds chirping actually sounds nice. It sounds like something is happening. It's a new day, and you, you know, you can feel that. I think that's part of spirituality. So. Um, yeah, what was the question again? So I'm clear. I'm sure I was going somewhere. Uh, how important is gratitude in your mind moving oh, forward yeah. so in recovery? So it starts with being grateful, like every single day. Um, uh-huh. Waking up and having that, po- that positive mindset that, uh, again, all of this is just a... It's just a, a small part of a long journey that's going to be interesting and it's going to to end well because you believe that that's what it's supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to be. Um, so yes, you you wake up feeling like you can do this. <laughs> it's it's a good start. Yeah. It doesn't work every single day, but it works most days. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. and, that, and and just getting off on the right foot is all, all, often uh, half the battle. Yeah, and you know sometimes you know how we how well I don't know about you, but me sometimes I need an excuse to to knock myself out. I need an excuse to, you know, go back to binging. But uh, I, I just realized that it was me ro- also running away from responsibility. So a small example. Well, yesterday we were, um, you know, morning chores. It was Saturday. So, and I just realized, you know, it was very, very dark look spirit around everybody had it like cloud hanging over their heads and we're not doing this I consciously say to myself we're not doing this so it becomes my responsibility to sort whatever it is around so that I can be comfortable so that I don't have an excuse or don't have a reason to put myself in a state of mind that doesn't help me in any way you know so it's all the little things and that you're asking about spirituality I think that's part of it you have to be sensitive to the things around you to the energy around you to you know if it's something yeah. you can fix you fix if it's something you can't fix and you can run you run <laughs> yeah all right well i think that's all the questions we got for you so we'd like to thank you for joining us today thank you for absolutely <laughs> that was nice talking um, to you too absolutely hmm. and Eric, are you able to do the sign-off for us? 
Uh, sure. Ooh, whoa, we're a little hot there. Um, sure. Yeah, so, uh, you know, here at Podcast Recovery, we are fully self-supporting. So we need your help to, you know, keep us creating new and engaging content for you all to, um, you know, to help uh, supplement parts of your recovery. And what... Um, so there's a few different options you can join the home group which is our patreon page which you can find in the description below as well as throwing a few bucks into the digital basket through our venmo and paypal accounts um you can also find us on youtube on facebook on uh instagram twitter and uh find our podcast anywhere that you can get our podcast and find our show thanks for sharing on youtube um and uh yeah so uh back to you david all right everybody thanks for joining us and uh most importantly everybody out there stay safe and stay clean hello I am Godwin Asukwo. You're listening to Safe Spaces. All right. So the first thing I think it would be fair to do is just introduce yourself. What is it you do? Okay. That's a good place to start always. Yeah. Go on. Okay. I'm Afraid Amboy, clinical psychologist, working at the center, the head of the department. Uh... So, you know, like I was talking to you just now, I mentioned that this month, September, in the U.S. is Recovery Month. And you just drew my attention to the fact that a a few days ago, a couple of days ago, it was also World Suicide, you know, World Suicide Day. That makes it sound like people are going to commit suicide. But no, just drawing people's attention to the fact that people are at risk of committing suicide or are already committing suicide. Um, I know you had a talk on the radio about that, so maybe we should start with the, your, your overview of that situation as concerns suicide in Nigeria. Okay. Um, the truth about it is uh, the, the rate of suicide has uh, escalated over the years, yeah. and uh, that could be attributed to so many factors. It's a mesh of factors. The economy is harsh. There are lots of stressors around. The economy has, there are social issues, yeah. psychological issues, and then um, even the culture value, the value system has eroded, and then the family se- uh, family setting that was a buffer, that was um, where, where, where in, in the old, before uh, westernization and technology cropping into our culture and uh, our value system. Um, the family was like a buffer where issues, when you have issues outside, you come to the family and then uh, they, you've been attended to, you could speak to the family members and they could listen to you yeah. and they, they could understand you and they give you a uh, remedy. But these days that the family values have now eroded, uh, mostly the family now has no values, cultures have the value system in the culture it's has different. It's now different. And so, so we, you think what it's more individualistic? Yes, when it comes to suicide, it's individualistic in the, in the sense that our resilience uh, factors, our um, resilience is different. Everybody's resilient. 
to issues. Everybody has threshold yeah. when it comes to um, stressors in life. And so we are individualistic in when it comes to coping with issues. And so it uh, what will bend or break somebody, this one A might not break the other. Or the other. So it all depends on the uh, and the, the resilient factors the individual has around him. Those are the issues I was trying to highlight. And then the rampant use of substances also has also contributed uh, contributed to contributed to these rampant uh, is, um, cases, cases of, suicide. of suicide. And then um, the expectations placed on individuals and then goals set. Most of them are not um, attainable and not realistic. And people believing that those things are not attended, attended to or are not achieved. Uh, tends to uh, make an individual break down and because most times the truth about it is suicide for a person to commit suicide there's a sense of hopelessness there's a sense of uh, worthlessness disappointment. Sort of disappointment and then uh, there's a sense of uh, nobody's understanding and you see that you are the part of the, you are the problem not the, the society not the uh, the world not the economy you are the problem and you believe that okay if the world would be better off or the people around you would be better off if you are not around. Or so, you would be better off if you were not around. Yeah, you will be better off if you will not be around because you feel you are the problem. And then the or people, you, you become a burden to others. And yes. so you think for you because you love them, you, you lift the burden of them. Yeah. And then you solve your own problem by solving other people's problem too. So um, I, I spoke to you we might come back to suicide. I mean, because one thing I wanted to ask was, you know, I, I've noticed with things like, for instance, rape in society, um, we've been debating whether or not is that we are having an increase in cases of rape, especially this period. People have noticed uh, rising rape cases. And we're wondering whether or not it's just because people are reporting it more or whether or not actually we have a higher number of people um, who have to deal with those issues. Would you say, for instance, with suicide in your experience, that you're seeing more increasing numbers or you just think people are reporting it more and it's probably just, it's not necessarily um, increasing, but then there are more increases in, in reported cases? And I, I think I think the reportage and the, the, true, um, the true picture of what is happening uh, it's a two-factor um, reason. Yeah. So you can't just say it's just One because thing. people are re- reporting more because mm-hmm. the the cases are much. But the truth about it is that the, case, the cases are much and then the people, the reportage is better because yeah. of the social media and the rest. Yes. And so the reportage is good and then the cases are there. And because issues of rape um, has so many factors, just as when we're talking about the other issue. When you're looking at the reasons why people rape, there are so many factors. Some We look at it from a psychological aspect. It is a, something that is a particular, it is a pathology that is in the individual that is making that. It, it could be learned, it could be something with the individual because the individual is sick. Yeah. Okay. Because the individual is sick yeah. himself, and um, it could be 
distortion. When you say sick, you mean mentally? Mentally, well. mental, mentally, psychologically sick. Yeah. Um, thought process has been um, disorganized. And then the values are rewired instead of uh, following the real procedure, following the societal uh, societies, the norms in the society. You believe that, okay, you need to just take the do what you do we feel let me just do what I need to just do what also it's also coupled with the value system too diminished value system eroded value systems because in the beginning the, in the in the old where values were there where culture was there there are cultural norms that when the guide against these things from even folk um, story um, um folk tales and stories told those things are frowned at, and most of the times um, they have been taught in very, very when you are still little, told, told in stories and other things um, that are being said in the family. Every family will give its own value. In my family, we don't steal. In my family, family we don't do this, we don't do that, we don't do that. Then the individual grows up with that. But nowadays, that we have family members that um, a family um, upbringing that is absentee in nature. You have absentee parenting. Parents are no, not there for their children. They don't even know their applied. They don't know their needs. And then with this accessibility to knowledge, with our technology, that everybody can access knowledge anywhere, anyhow, these children are young. They see this information that is dished out somewhere. They pick it because it has not They're going to absorb and anything and, and everything. Yeah. And then with the peer pressure, if somebody has somebody in the family that that is what they've been doing, rape is something common in their own family, and then he wants to influence other f- friends of his, comes and they inculcate that to his peer group, and then that becomes something that is attainable. And sometimes, again, um, the way the, the law looks and perceives um, rape victims and the way they handle f- rape um, issues also could be another factor because sometimes when you glamorize and then ex- explicitly um, explain how the rape took place who is the perpetrator people try to copy consciously that's a human being there are things that you think you especially know, if other people get away with very it good. Yeah. and then and then sometimes again we think that people just learn things that are good people also learn things that are bad it all, so consciously unconsciously when you glamorize and then try to explicitly explain what went wrong or what went happened, somebody somewhere is just waiting for that information to use and, re- and replicate the same thing. So uh, the reportage also has to be looked at when it comes to all this kind of whether it is rape, whether it is suicide, the reportage has to be very, very conscious. Uh, yes. So it has to be conscious of that because sometimes people bring those news. They become the topic of the day, then they become in the first page of the day. They are why the pictures are placed, the description of how, whatever. So these things ought not to. Mm. Once you want to give report, you want to report on these kind of issues, the information should be as minimal as possible. My name is Kimberly, and you're listening to Safe Spaces. Yeah, also, yeah, I know that that happened, especially with suicide. Yeah. yeah. So even with because the means. Yeah. People learn. Yeah, even the even 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 the rape, 
when you you say okay oh she was drugged and then uh, raped or whatever yeah. you are telling somebody you could, yeah, giving them information uh, giving, yeah, you, 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 you giving somebody information somewhere and so yeah. you need to limit information but well, we've heard recently that Kaduna state governor has signed the uh, the law by the legislature in the state uh, for castration and you know removal of fallopian tube or tubes for people um, found to be guilty of of rape i don't know if that will help it wouldn't because when you're talking about rape it means a lot of things and it takes a lot to prove rape anyway yeah. and yeah and that's another thing no it's not placing the rules or signing the rules or the law or whatever it's not that the issue is that when you don't have a system and then you don't have policies around and then you don't have a law or you don't have a but they um, just signed the, legal, it's a law so no, they just if you don't have a legal thing that is cautious and wants to implement that because the legal to follow system it to the, the legal system if it doesn't follow through a law we have so many wonderful laws in this country the issue is that the legality of getting these laws implemented is the problem. The process. Uh, that's the process of yeah. it. That's also the process. So if the process is faulty, no matter how fantastic the law is, it is a problem. So I'm going back a little to something you said. You talked about being psychologically well, being mentally well. We had this conversation for a little while before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that brings me to what exactly your psychologist what exactly is your job? What is it you do here at the center? I know you have have psychiatrists and psychologists working together. Um, what in all, which brings us to the issue of recovery. Somebody asked me the other day, and I never really stopped to think about it, maybe because I've been involved or I've been around people who I, I've learned, sort of, I've been educated because of people and situations I've been in and pe- people I've been around. Well, if you had to explain to a person who has very little knowledge of all of this, uh, which is a lot of people in Nigeria, by the way, how would you explain recovery? What exactly is recovery? Recovery is a process. And you have to be precise of what are you recovering from. Exactly. You have to know what you're recovering from. And you have to define what your recovery is. Because if wait wait wait, so the person who is recovering is the one who needs to define yeah. their recovery. Yeah. Why? Because How? The, because the process is his. The process is his or hers. Uh, if you are going, your recovery, your definition of recovery is harm reduction. And who, first of all, who are the people? I think we should start from there, and, and not assume everybody understands where the, the base is, so we can form at least a, a foundation for the conversation. Who are the people who need recovery? I think that's where we, we can start. That's an easier question. Yeah, okay. People that need recovery, those that have uh, psychological issues. When we talk about psychological issues, it could be depression, it could be anxiety, it could be stress, it could be uh, sexual disorders, it could be um, pornography, it could be... Okay, addiction to pornography. Yes, addiction. Pornography. Sexual... So now you have to separate it from me. Uh, separate, you said something about sex. Mm-hmm. I guess it's addiction to sex. Yes, sex addiction. And then you mentioned That's pornography. I say, I Are they the problem. same? I'm the same problem. Sex, um, sex addiction and pornography are the, uh, two different uh, things. Okay. Yeah. Pornography, you, you, it's, it's not an active 
sexual act. It is eliciting. Um, it's imaginary. Yes, it's imaginary. But the essence of it is to um, to 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 ejaculate, and then then to have the satisfaction, just yeah. as you are. And that was it. But on without um, having a partner. Without a partner or that was the difference. Yeah. And it, 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 it is it is a problem because you 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 feel it reduces your self esteem. You it, it reduces your self esteem. Yeah, I, that's the first time I'm hearing this. Yeah, does that it brings anxiety? Okay, and sometimes even you feel your self worth assertiveness also diminishes. Because the truth about it, you know that this is not how you need to get this process. It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't feel normal. Very good. And you know that in your subconscious. And so it tends to judge you. Or you judge yourself. Yeah. You judge yourself or it judges you. Yeah. And so your self-esteem and self-worth tends to diminish. And then sexual addiction. I mean, I mean, I remember hearing somewhere that it's actually, um, a sexy health, a sexy health wife. A healthy sex life is actually a sign of being of overall well-being. So, yeah. at what point do you say it becomes a problem? It becomes a problem is that you cannot do without sex, and then everything about you just it's just an addiction. When you say addiction, addiction is an addiction. Yeah, addiction. Whether it's sex, whether it is uh, pornography, um, addicted to pornography, um, some is stealing, some is. Uh, um, all kinds of addiction. It's a sickness. It's the same part of the brain. So are you saying that recovery is for people who have addictions? Not only addiction, on all psychological problems. Recovery. That's from my own psychological um, okay. point of view. And you, you mentioned again, taking you back, that people need to determine what their own... Yeah, recovery they want. What, what recovery means to them. to them. Yeah, because the truth about it is that for addiction issues, if you are saying... You want to do harm reduction. You may, you might have to explain. Yes, if you say you want to do harm reduction, you're saying that okay, I want to reduce the intake of the particular thing I'm addicted to. Yeah. I cannot just stop it. Yeah. I want to reduce it, and then I w- the, the question will be: Would you want to reduce so that you stop? That is not harm reduction. You're doing reduction to stop. The goal of it is to stop that, it, abs- so the abstinence. So, but some will say, oh no, I won't. The goal is not to stop. But for me to reduce and then to maintain a quantum of use, yeah. use and then function with it. Yeah. And so that is your own goal for recovery. So your recovery will be on maintaining that standard you've prescribed for yourself. That I will be taking two bottles in a day, not twice or three times. And a this day. works the same for any substance? Yes, some could do. Okay. Some could do. So we're talking drugs, we're talking alcohol, alcohol we're talking and substances. Okay, but the, the other option you mentioned was total abstinence. Total abstinence. And or recovery. The, yeah. The reason why the harm reduction is always a problem. Because most times people that are addicted, their brain, their natural memory cells have already registered the kind of satisfaction or the satiation they get from the substances. Yes. So using lesser quantum of the particular substance will not, would be not give you the same satisfaction, satisfaction you are going through, yeah. how you want or you desire. Yeah. So that memory cell will always quest and ask you, if not reached where we used to reach, yeah. 
So you have to get it. So you setting the goals will be very, it will be harder because you are awakening the beast. When the beast wants to eat, you want to deprive the beast from eating. You so know, there will be a problem. So moving on from recovery, at least we have an idea of what recovery is and what it is we're talking about when yeah. we talk about recovery. Um, and I mentioned again, this is recovery month, September for the U.S. How would you rate our support systems here? Awareness, first of all, you can't support you can't support a person or, or a community that isn't aware that they need support or that support is available. Seeing as you're in the system, how would you rate our awareness level and our support system as it stands today? The truth about it, I would say it's almost um, from uh, hundred. I would say it's in the zero to ten. Because the truth about it is that we are not investing in awareness and then the communities or the society we live in is not, it's not fully aware. Even if they are aware, they are partially aware. Yeah. Partial insight is, doesn't mean it's uh, insightful. And so the truth about it, a lot needs to be done. The support system is nearly zero. The, when it comes to recovery, yeah. the one that is the only person that is fortunate is one that has support, family support. But the government has no support for recovery. And it's the not med- cheap, is yeah. it? It's the most expensive health sector. And you're listening to Safe Spaces. They're talking about mental yeah, health yeah, care. Yeah, mental health care. Yeah. Because the truth about it is very, very expensive. Because most people cannot afford it. But everybody can have that challenge. So, I mean, we'll come to solutions in a bit, unless you want to talk about what you think can be done to make it easier for more people. Because if, you know, while I was here in 2016, I remember one lady in particular, the one who I told you, uh, they brought her in, she had issues, she came with her husband. Um, I'm not sure if the, the problem was financial or that the husband just didn't want to leave her in the facility Maybe he felt like there would be a stigma. I'm not sure what the problem, but obviously for him to have brought her all the way to the center means it was getting out of hand. Um, but that evening he took her, even though they made a bed, he took her back to, you know, took her back home. She didn't stay. Besides talking about money, how do we deal with perceptions around mental health and related that, issues? That's, 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 that's why I'm saying the insight, the society has no insight on what the issues are. Our culture have blindfolded us. And, and then we have myths surrounding us. And then the truth about it is that people don't believe there's mental issues. People don't believe that there are... Uh, this thing is a sickness. Uh, mental issues is like any other sickness that you could recover or there's a recovery process for it. There are remedies for it. You could go to a particular place and then you'll be helped. And then also, sometimes again, people doubt what they see. They spiritualize. We are very, very spiritual when yeah. it comes to, especially in this part of the world, Nigeria in particular. We are very, very spiritual. Whether it's uh, believing in the tra- traditional saying or the cultural sayings. We're spiritual or or we spiritual. tend to look at yeah. And so we always look at mental issues or psychological issues as spiritual. And so we look for spiritual solutions that never gives us the answers. Whether they, 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 they steam it low or they exaggerate or they exaggerate or even they escalate issues. Because when you go back, you go to a person 
with his uh, mental illness and he's been preyed upon and then it is not healing you go to another it dampens and worsens the issue because the person loses hope so that yes this thing something, is, something is wrong with me so the truth about it is that the society itself is sick because we don't want to accept reality we don't even want to accommodate what is before us sometimes the family believing that they stigmatizing they they, they they took someone to a particular place for help the stigma of taking a, a person into a rehab center believing that that person must be wayward because for the average person if you say a person is mentally ill the impression that yes. you have in your mind so again i would say other than addiction which is clear mm-hmm. if the person drinks too much it's clear this person has been drinking too much if a person does any other substance any other drugs you'll be like oh it's clear this happens and then this happens but with other um mental illnesses when you say a person is mentally ill the first thing that comes to the mind of the average person is ah the person is not mad that's the word you know so how do you identify people who need attention with respect to mental health who i'm not talking about people who who um have issues with addiction i'm talking about on the average yeah most times they come in when it is already bad, bad. because a person has thoughts that are weird and whatever he doesn't believe that uh, there's a problem mm-hmm. oh you are sleep you are sleepless you are not sleeping well he doesn't he doesn't believe that it's a problem and someone maybe um is losing interest going to work and whatever he doesn't believe that it's a problem you you are not you've lost interest um towards your your spouse you don't believe it's a problem and then your child is behaving not the way you know him you don't believe it's a problem it's probably just uh, just, 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 just something yeah. so the truth about it is that we don't know that the problems are just there for us until when they become unmanageable that we believe that okay now it is more than enough then you start uh, looking for help. for help and so mental illness entails whether it's anxiety whether it's stress whether it is uh, depression whether it is a sleep problem whether it is uh, uh, anger issues whether it is self esteem issues whether it's assertiveness issues all these things are mental issues And that need attention. Yes. At what point do I know I need so see I haven't been sleeping for a while or mm. um I don't feel as excited about you know work or at what points should I seek professional help? Most most times it's just like this when you have headache what do you do? When I have a headache? Yeah. Half the time I just sleep. Very good. When you sleep and it's not going what do you do? I call the doctor. That's it. Yeah. So when you are you you try to sleep, you cannot sleep. You try the second time, you cannot sleep. The third time, you something is sleep. wrong. Then ask you 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 look for a way out. Oh, that's that's another thing I wanted to ask you. You know how it is that families have generally have um, medical doctors, um, you know, a physician or something. You know, there's always somebody associated, a medical staff associated with the family that. You know, if something goes wrong with any member of the family, we can call him up. I don't know how normal it is for most households or most individuals in in Nigeria to have therapists or have psychologists or have is it something that we should be doing and we're not doing or is it something that we can just it's like walking in it's like over the counter treatment. So when it comes up then I can I can look for one. The truth about it if you can afford it, you have you need to have them. 
because if you can afford it, it's very yeah, important. Yeah, if you can afford it, you need to have a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a therapist close to you. Yeah. That you when you need, because you might just give a phone call. These things are happening. He nips it at the board before it becomes a problem. Yeah. And but the issue is that most of us don't believe that it is an issue. We don't need to spend that much. And so you rather want the individual to become a vegetable before you... you well, especially if you're talking about psychological problems like depression and things that, you know, just look like the person is acting up. Usually that's what people say. This person is, is a, this, he's a, an adolescent, so mm-hmm. he's probably just acting up, uh, probably just being difficult. Uh, that, so, yeah. That's why you need a professional to see from his own eyes or her own eyes. That is where perceptions don't solve problems. Perceptions don't even give us um, the real answers to the issue. Yeah. They are just a window to see and test whether it's true or not. So you can perceive anything. But the truth about it, you need a professional eye to know whether there's a problem. To assess. Yeah. So in the developed world, there are um, psychologists, psych- uh, psychiatrists, just like you have chemists all over. Some people see them all through the Some they book for years. Just for their well-being. That brings me to the issue of availability. Yeah. Um, in terms of the need that you perceive we have, mm. we'll, we'll come to the season we're in, but mm. in terms of the need that you have seen in your line of work, how long have you done this? How long have you been a psychologist? Over 10 years. Would you say we have enough... 2007 to now. Would you say we have enough um, medical staff as far as mental health is concerned in Nigeria? We can, we can never have enough. Even the developed world cannot even have enough. The truth about it, we've not even you don't even have anything. Which is probably a part of the reason it's so expensive. Not expensive. You can't compare mental health. It's not expensive. The truth about it, it's just a scratch. In the developed world, that's relative though, because you know what 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 it yeah. costs to what it costs to get treatment here at the mm. center is not the same as, for instance, what what it costs to get treatment in Abuja, Abuja or yeah. Lagos or Kano. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, but the truth about about it is that, like this center, what we're doing here is like a charitable organization, yeah. yeah, something. Because the truth about it, and even at that, it's expensive for a lot of people in this town. So that is where the support system is lacking. And when you're talking about when it comes to these kind of issues, the support system is supposed to start from the government. The government is supposed to acknowledge that, that not, there's a yes. need. They have homes. They have um, people, professionals, that visit these people at their homes. You could be at your home. You'll be a registered um, individual that needs support. The psychologist will place to your home that will regularly visit you and attend to your psychological needs. That is what is attainable because they know it is known that it is very very expensive. Because even if you want to provide, you can only give at a subsidized rate. For the cost, most people cannot be. It is very expensive. And it's not a part of a health plan anyway in Nigeria. It has it's not, not provided for it has not under the health insurance scheme. It has not been signed. Mental health has not been signed as a law. Yeah. In this country. Yeah. The psychologist is not recognized in this country. Yeah, which is why I was saying it's not it's not even so been this country has not recognized the mental health issues or the, the mental health sector. It has not recognized even a psychologist. Safe spaces. 
and in the, when you when you tell any part of this world, uh, the world that is developed, that psychology is not recognized in a particular country, they will call you an insane country. Yeah. Because that is something that is cardinal in everything in life. I was going to ask you something I forgot to mention. Is it normal, for instance, at the center, I noticed you have you have cases of addiction, you have clients or patients, you like to call them clients, you have clients that have issues with addiction, and then you have clients that have other mental health problems like schizophrenia and, you know, they're bipolar or depressed or all in one place. Is that normal? Is it supposed to be that way? Or? Okay, it's all how you define it. It's all mental illness. illness. Substance use disorder is a chronic relapsing mental illness. In English? <laughs> yeah, to a five-year-old. It is something that is reoccurring. And people relapse. So when we say relapse, they tend to fall back to drinking when they don't want to recover from drinking. And that is why it is something that we say it's a lifelong process. Recovery is a lifelong thing. Because it is a relapsing, it, people keep falling back to using Addiction, it. Addiction, that the, is. So it, that's why it's a chronic mental illness. It is affecting the brain. And once you look at the brain and you do a CT scan or whatever MRI, and then you see you see a diff, the different um, image of a person that uses alcohol um, substances and the person that doesn't, there is difference. You see the difference. So it is a chronic mental illness that is relapsing in nature. It is, has been recognized by the World Health Organization as that. So placing sick people. Um, the other health with this is, is, is still in the same still all because the truth about it is that because it's a mental illness, most people that use substances come up with other psychological illnesses. Yeah, things like depression, yeah, anxiety, yeah, so and the rest, and some even come with bipolar and even schizophrenia. Oh, you can become bipolar from there is, substance abuse. There are, there, there, are, there are people that are they have or it exaggerates al- or it aggravates alcohol induced psychosis cannabis induced schizophrenia that means prior to your use of the substance you were probably without any yeah, symptoms it, of this it induces ailment okay so let's talk about the period we're in which is the covid the, the 2020 <laughs> the special year um yeah. how what are the differences you've seen how long have you been at the center um it should be getting to three years okay so that's fair enough mm. so what, tr- what are the differences in trends that you've seen, particularly within this COVID period? I know clearly, I mean, the rational thought process is that, you know, if people are having to deal with a situation that's new to them and struggling, they'll probably have more burden to bear mentally and emotionally. And do you see that in your line of work? Do you see yeah. the difference when you compare to, you know, say this first quarter of last year for instance and what's the difference i was expecting i would see for instance more uh clients in here but that is not the case if you could just explain that there are more clients we have 40 something clients the truth about more clients compared to what the 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 sequence has been constant before now we could have um full house and then there will be lesser clients and then well this one is a sequence it started when we started it's just a sequence we've been maintaining a particular rate. pattern yeah and the reason is just simple and many come in asking to 
access the facility, but because of financial constraint, they can't. They can't. So a lot of them come in, they cannot access the facility. Is it a lot now this COVID season compared yeah. to before? Yeah, yeah. The because the reason why lots of people have lost jobs. Yeah. Lots of people are not feeling well. There are many jobs and what whatever they are not they are not doing that. And then what do they do? They are bored, they are not doing their they go to using substances. So there are lots of um, substance users now. There are lots of people that are depressed. There are lots of people that are are, are not they are not doing they are not doing well because of these times. Um, the resources are not coming as when you the 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 this closeness. You know, most people got married, they never had time with their families and their children yeah. and the rest. Because of this lockdown and the rest, many people have now got, they, they, they now know their spouses, they know, now know their children. They are, pro- they are, they are, they are they're having difficulty yes, they are afraid. adjusting. Adjustment has become a problem. So the, some of them are afraid now what they have, they are seeing about their spouses, about their children. They are afraid. So there are lots of psychological turmoil in the minds and lives of people. That's why you see people now having sleeplessness. Some people are now taken to drinking. Some people are now looking for ways to just to cope with what the reality that's now done on them. Yeah. And so the issues are now cumbersome. And we have not seen anything yet. This is just in the... In the, in the, in the, in the it's a transient... Give it from next year, we'll see the effect truly, because it is going to be something that is going to escalate and escalate and escalate. When it comes to psychological or mental issues, it is something that progress. So, at the beginning, this is the beginning. We're just looking at the surface, the symptoms, just a little. But when the problems, we'll see them from next year and later. That is where we're going to see the problem. We'll see a lot of divorce, uh, divorce cases. We'll see a lot of breakups. We'll see a lot of um, um, battering, women battering and the rest. You'll see the rate of kidnapping and whatever, all of those things, rape. All of these, these are the issues of COVID era because of the isolation and then the issues that people are now facing, the hardship of the economy and the rest. People are looking for ways to cope in so many ways. And their way, the thought process are already rewired. It's not the way they used to think. Now people are thinking widely. They take it bizarrely, and then they're just doing whatever they feel like doing just to survive. Uh, the the aim at the moment is just to get to survive. back. Survive, yeah, to survive. Yeah. And sometimes a rapist, if he doesn't do it, anxiety that comes up with it is a problem. I, I'm particular, not just because I'm female, but then I also was concerned uh, the last the, while I was here at the time. Um, ratio of women to men in the facility. What do you think the explanation is at the time? Uh, at any point in time while I was here, it was usually no more than a ratio of nine to one, or you know, it's always a far lower number of women than men. What do you think that is about? And the truth about it is that there are so many factors to that. Most ladies that are brought in here, it is when it is overboard. They believe that um, she's a lady, we need to protect her. So they will look for all alternatives to see how to help her. 
outside of outside having to of bring her to a facility so until when it gets bad it gets very very bad before she could so you should so you were saying usually people try as much as they can yeah. to not have to bring a yeah. female yeah. to a facility unless it becomes unbearable and unnecessary but even if you're not bringing the female to the facility are we seeing more cases of of spouses or family or relatives or friends um asking for outpatient help yeah, for some, women yeah some 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 do that yeah. some do that mostly they do come in to ask for outpatient issues but most females are outpatient if quite a few I'm dealing with them are out um, outpatient yeah. most of them are professionals in their fields and the rest and so they are more comfortable to have their cases treated in in the homes or in the conventional hospitals yeah. Yeah. They prefer they are in the conventional hospitals and the specialists. So they, 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 they are sick so like everyone else. Very good. Because yeah. of stigma, because of uh, the culture. The culture and the care is not the same, is it? It can never be the same. Um, okay, so moving on. We're running out of time, but uh, talking about spirituality. Mm. What are your thoughts? Because I know that for a lot of the treatment here, um, a lot of treatments not just here in Nigeria not just here at the center there is always an angle of spirituality that is sort of ingrained into the treatment treatments i mean what do you think about that entire line of thinking and, okay. and do you think it helps and we, why we, we are human beings I mean, as a psychologist we look at human behavior and when we're talking about human behavior we look at what are the what are the factors that makes people behave the way they behave yeah think the way they think yeah you understand who feel the way they feel and most of the times we have one factor that is very very critical is the belief system hello it's melda and you're listening to safe spaces your yeah. belief what you believe in and so your belief when you're talking about belief that's one factor we talk about your culture we cannot treat you outside of it, your culture because when we are saying you are sick and then from your own culture it is a no just yeah. like uh, you go to this um, they have Scotland. explanation very good they have explanation and you, you go to Scotland people are wearing uh, skirts and you saying they are sick you understand so yeah. context we we, we 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 consider culture we consider belief and when you're talking about culture religion is part of of um, culture okay. belief system is part of culture what you believe in has to be a part of um the treatment so that we want to change a behavior we want to change a line of thought and so without using your belief system the line of thought will not be perfected in the change process is there anything interesting about the demographics of people who you've had, who you've had to see whether or not they they're in uh inpatient or whether or not they're outpatients are you seeing any because there's also the tendency for uh for instance we saw the codeine uh uh documentary by the BBC uh that was aired by the BBC the saying that oh most of the, the codeine abusers are from the north or do we see that kind of pattern in, in term, terms of mental health and do you notice any particular patterns in terms of demographics the truth about it is it doesn't it's almost everywhere that's why i say everybody's potential mental health patient now today tomorrow if you are lucky you will spend your life been a healthy person mentally for the rest of your life but one day or one day, things might change age might change things antecedents will happen you are a potential 
mental health. What hope is there for people who cannot, and that's probably the majority of Nigerians, mm. what hope is there, what other support systems, I know you talked about family and talked about how that is breaking down as well, so there's no support even from the most basic level. How do people deal with these things? I also remember you saying at, at some point that, look, things like addiction, for instance, people have dealt with it themselves without having to you know, seek professional support. So is that something you're hoping will help us, you know? Hoping, yes. If you could try that on your own and it, it will ha- work, good for you. But most times when you try and you can't help it, you need a professional. That's the truth about it. So when you try it and it doesn't work, you try, you try it and it doesn't work, it means you need help. And you most, don't just keep trying. No, no, just don't keep trying, trying. You cannot be doing the same thing and really expect a different, different result. result. So, the, the the good thing about the good thing about it is that we we there are professionals, there are professionals now yeah. than before. More than before. Yeah. So it is. Why is that? Because the the, the 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 professionals are now skillful. They are now knowledgeable. They are now plenty. There's more, more they knowledge. More, it's easier. You see, before. What people used to get is when you get that profession, it's source for you to work and earn government salary. Yeah. Now the profession is to for practice knowledge. and to practice. You see, that's the difference. Yeah. For me now, I cannot be just in an office without practice. I must practice. Yeah. So that is also it. So now the, the, the zeal to practice is here is, is here to stay. And so there are practicing professionals now that want to practice. I would be yeah. happy to help. Yes. So it's just for you to ask the right questions. Where and to the right and people. when and the right um, people. And then you get your help. My final question. Do you ever get tired? Who doctors the doctor? He should seek for help. The doctor should also seek help. Yeah. <laughs> the psychologist goes for therapy. Yeah, of yeah, course. Everybody needs When was the last time you went for therapy? I get it, yeah. Yeah, with your colleagues, yeah. of course. He's so, lucky for you. Yeah. So... The truth about it, everybody needs therapy. You, yeah. need, you need somebody to hear you. Oh, and then he looks at, so that he looks at the issues from a different perspective. Thank you very much. You're it's welcome. time for you to go back to... But thank you, thank you for your time. You're welcome. And all the best. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. No, Allah. I'm with you. I'm Emanuela. Hello, I'm Rosa. I'm Victor. Hello, I'm Miriam. And you're listening to... Stay-